0: It's a goal. Who got
2: the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So, a disaster weekend for many as uh, Liverpool Man United was called off by indignant fans. I mean, most teams were about 11 men. Unfortunately, it was quite on Twitter due to so the blackout. So, you couldn't see people saying, Oh, i a terrible week. I'm just on 50. Didn't miss it at all. Yeah, there was a blackout. Uh, we partook, so there's no kind of questions in this pod. However, we have a lot to talk about, and accordingly, too, we're joined by a guest, one of the greatest managers of all time, as well, in arch Southampton fan, shaking her head, uh, Lucy Heiner, uh, who you can find at Lucy Heiner on Twitter. Brilliant to have you on, Lucy. How are you doing?
0: I'm all right, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, Yes, I am Lucy Heiner. I am not one of the greatest managers of all time, but apparently that's been popularised this season, so I'll carry on. Um, Yeah, I'm probably known for my love of Southampton, which I have to say was a more useful skill probably five years ago than it is now when it comes to FPL. Still, went down to 10 men this this weekend and didn't capitulate, so I will take that as a win. Um, Yeah, and it's very nice to be here and not be communicating via GIFs and DMs, which is what we always seem to be. So, yeah, it's great.
3: Yeah, I heard you got a, a sneaky green arrow as well. So, uh, well done there. Absolutely bossing it this season. It's, it's brilliant to have a, a real GOAT on the pod. Um, so, yeah, we, we are Who Got The Assist. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, uh, Tom at WGTA underscore FPL, myself at WGTA underscore Nick, and Anthony at FPL Stag. And we also, on Instagram, if you use that, you can find us there, WGTA.com. FPL and our mini league as well if you want to join the code of CPSULF. So yeah, we're, we're joined by Anthony, FPL stag
1: as always. How are you? Hello everyone, good to be back again. Nice bank holiday weekend for all of us and uh, less football with that United game being cancelled but it was good because it was the only real good day of sunshine here in Ireland on Sunday so I was able to enjoy it instead. The This week's pod, um, obviously we're not taking questions as Tom alluded to but what we are going to look at instead is what I think is the best way to quantify a player's FPL brilliance, and that is whether they're able to clear the 200-point mark in a given season. And some players do it consistently, some come and go, some show signs that they're capable of doing it and eventually succeed, and we'll be considering those players this week. We do have the correspondence section, and that returns with a question from a friend of the show, Rishi, who's wondering about the best midfielders in FPL right now. But, as Tom said, what we don't have, owing to the blackout, our listeners' questions. But, like social media companies mine your data to know what you want, we know the questions you probably want answered about the blanks and doubles to come, so we have those for you instead. But first off, we're going to start with the gaming Reviews and the Market Forces.
2: Yeah, the Game Reviews, and I think it's uh, it was a Game we entered with a lot of hope, a lot of kind of, you know... Gusto, and it's really fallen on its backside, hasn't it? Due to the fact that many players were ruled out, and we've all been kind of scrabbling together to get the second and third players off the bench to add to the overall scores. And uh, it's been a poor one for all of us. As usual, it's been the poorest one for me, um, I'm fairly sure. No objections by the looks of it, nope. Um, so I think I've ended up with, drumroll please, 25 points, which has been absolutely fantastic. The only returns I got were a clean sheet from Veltmania and the assist from Nacho. That was pretty much it. Salah, Bruno, Greenwood, uh, TAA and Jota were all in that Liverpool man United game, so they didn't play. Um, Rudy also didn't bother to show up, so it meant that I had on the bench Tyric Mitchell, one point. Hooray. Yeah, not very good. I did decide in the end basically to roll the transfer, thinking, oh, two transfers is going to be great ahead of double game week. Was looking at things like, I don't know, moving Bruno for bail. <laughs> didn't do it. And obviously, it feels a bit annoying now that I didn't do it. But at the time, the logic was completely sound to not do it. Um, but I'm definitely staring down the barrel of a very, very large green, uh, red arrow. Wish it was green. Um, but um, no, I'm, I'm definitely staring down the barrel of a very, very large red arrow. But it is what it is. I've got two free transfers. Double game coming up. Yeah. It's annoying, but I'll take it. No one take it, but you know what I mean. Anthony, I think you're next on you. I am indeed. And I am the happiest I've ever been
1: with a 27% rank drop to 31K from 24.5K-ish because of 31 points. I, I genuinely feel like I've gotten away with murder. This game week, because I was going to be running a diminished team anyway, as it turned out, before the United game was ever cancelled. I'd already had the Rudiger injury. I'd already had Holding not show up. Diaz hadn't shown up. and That already had me down to 10 players. And then, to be honest, losing Shaw, Alexander-Arnold, Fernandez, Greenwood, Jota, that was fine. It's OK. I was totally OK with that because it meant that everyone else was at least um, running diminished teams with me. So in the end. I only was able to get points from six players. Seven of my squad played, but two of them were goalkeepers, so I could only get the clean sheet from one of those two. So those six players getting me to 31 points, all in all, I think I can't actually be disappointed with. The key player in that was the player who I actually brought in on my transfer. I sold Salah and brought in Son, thank goodness. So I got his 12 points. I unfortunately didn't captain him. When I captained him, I'd probably had a green arrow, which would have been hilarious given the small number of players I had. But I captained Kane uh, like almost everyone else. So that was disappointing. I also had the Hinacho five pointer, Lingard's two, Keenan Davis's one, and uh, the Mendy seven pointer as well. I think really the story for me, though, is that I, that 50 50 call where I sold Gundogan and Wood for Greenwood and Davis rather than selling Diaz. Um, instead of wood it has been like a 30-point kick over two game weeks. And it's like it's such an unexpected way to have really dropped 30-ish points in selling wood and keeping city players, but such is the way these things go. I wasn't too annoyed about it last week. I'm trying not to be too annoyed about it this week, but I guess now the top 10K is 39 points away. And I know we've had a little bit of a change in the schedule and things, which suits me more because I was going to probably about seven players for the blank, as it was to be if it is. Changed up with United actually not blanking. It means that I am in a far far better scenario than I was going to be in. But still, I feel like that top 10k is probably out of reach after taking losing about seven points on the template this week. And Lucy, I believe it's you who's next.
0: Yes, I got 40, just about. Um, again, my most like most just like most people. I um, had three out to the to the postponement. So. I had zero minutes on the bench, so that was really helpful uh, holding Rudiger um, and Gunduan not playing. So yes, nothing from the bench, but I did have Watkins, Ian Acho, Son and Beltman. Uh, give me some points. so I'm on a 10 place green arrow which I will take and run with. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, eight, okay. at your overall rank what, what's your overall rank now for 800 so, 800 917 117 yeah so a 10 point a 10 place green is basically the same as like a 200k green for most people so yeah awesome stuff and uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the pile no at the top of the tree obviously it's nick
3: yeah so so i got 42 points not quite um as high a rank unfortunately as lucy but i'm sitting around um 94k now so it's a 6k green arrow which you know i, I I, as I say I'll take, but I, I really want something a bit better than that at this stage of the season to try and you know drive up the rank and stuff. but yeah, it started a bit. Dodgy. I mean, I got the five-pointers from Iheanacho, like everybody else, but then I also had um, Gundon and Pulisic not turn up, so zero-pointers from those guys, a p- bit rubbish. Then I had the Everton-Aston Villa game, because of those other guys not turning up. I ended up with two Villa defenders and one Everton defender in that game, which I really didn't actually want, and obviously that, that both teams conceded, um, so Holgate and Konza and Martinez. Um, but luckily I also had Oli Watkins, who sort of showed up with an eight-pointer, uh, the Manu and Liverpool game being cancelled, I guess it kind of worked out in my favour to a certain extent because I didn't own Salah, had the likes of um, Trent and Jota and uh, Fernandez, but it meant that I could uh, partake in Veltmania and, and get six points off the bench there, which um, were muchly appreciated. Um, had a size play tonight, two points earned. Captain Kane, like everyone else, was two points, but uh, luckily I got from Son a, a nice 12-pointer taking me to 42 points all out, which, you know, as I said, it's a small green at this stage of the season, That um, you know, a green arrow is a green arrow, so I can't complain too much listening to the rest of you guys and what happened.
2: I don't know how the market's going to react to that, Nick. Uh, just quickly, this week, how was the market reacted to that and the market forces?
3: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the, the cancellation of the United-Liverpool game has, has created a little bit of a sh- of shift, I guess, in terms of who we're transferring in, who we're targeting, because there's a potential double now for Liverpool, which is um, quite exciting. But um, in terms of the market, hasn't really reacted too quickly to that announcement. Currently, the kind of the focus, I guess, is on those other teams that had a double and then a single. So we've been talking on the last pod a little bit about likes of Everton and Palace and Southampton uh, but actually in, in terms of the most transferred in player it's uh, it's uh, Lucy's man James Ward-Prowse right now um, so he's had 49,000 transfers in at time of recording leading the, uh, the total transfers in I don't, I don't know what you think about that um, Lucy obviously as a Southampton fan do you think uh, Ward-Prowse is a good player to target for the close of the season?
0: I actually um, had my eyes on DWP for this week, uh, but that'll probably change as a result of the kind of rearranged fixture if, if that kind of comes off. But yeah, I think I probably underestimated him um, kind of going into the season and kind of, I have to apologise, because I have actually told some people to avoid um, on the basis that he predominantly plays a defensive midfielder. And I didn't think that that would be offset um, significantly enough by his set pieces. Um I think his set pieces have gone up a level this this season. I think he's he's you know he's got probably four direct free kicks. And obviously the ings injury means that he's on penalties, which is a pretty massive um plus. The only downside being he's not actually very good at penalties, which I find amazing, you know, for someone who is so good at every other type of set piece, he he just isn't regular penalties. Um, but yeah, I, I would be having a gamble on him kind of in normal circumstances but given given that we're likely to see that kind of rearrangement now he probably wouldn't be a priority for me right now
1: James Ward prowse is affected by the same syndrome that Leo Messi has so that's quite interesting
3: oh, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah I think it's, it's
1: true, true. <laughs> mm. it's completely true <laughs> mm. <laughs> Ward- kick. Browse, I
3: like
2: it yeah <laughs>
3: He's been picking up a few um, assists as well from the corners as well this season, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of understand why you're kind of saying not to target him to a certain extent because he does feel a little bit of a sort of a set piece merchant. He gets all his points and penalties, free kicks, assists from corners, but. You know, they have been sort of racking up over the course of the season. So that's why a lot of people looking at him, obviously, got a penalty against Leicester this week. And, and Southampton do have that double game week and then no blank. Um They've got likes of Palace and, and Fulham coming up as well, which um, you'd like to think that he might get a return against those guys. Uh, but otherwise, um Ianacho, he's also being heavily transferred in, uh, for 10,000 transfers in time recording. Just the assist this week, as we said, but, you know, he's in such a hot streak that you just can't, Avoid him, really. I feel like he's just going to have to be in everyone's team and he's he's got such a ridiculously high ownership as well that if you don't own him and he gets a return, you just get absolutely punished. And then then you've got um, a few more players with double game weeks. Um, Zaha from Palace, 41,000 transfers in for him. Calvert-Lewin, who scored at the weekend, 39,000 transfers in. And Ollie Watkins, 36,000 transfers in. He's on a little bit of a quiet run of form. Um, So he's returned in the last five uh, game weeks just a goal or an assist each week but just sort of a slowly drip feed of points um, which has been pretty much appreciated from my perspective. We'll move on to the transfers out quickly so Tom's man Patrick Bamford um, being heavily sold at the moment 80,000 transfers out for him so a lot of people swapping him out for likes of Nacho and Cavalewin and Watkins. Uh, Cresswell also being heavily sold 56,000 transfers out for him he's actually got red flag but he uh, played tonight so that will shortly go but a lot of people selling him anyway because of the injury. And then um, a couple of the City guys, just obviously there's so much rotation at City at the moment, and Stone's sort Stones of suspended, uh, and he's sort of being rested in the league um, to sort of focus on some of those more important matches as far as Pep's concerned, like the Champions League. And uh, Diogo Jota as well, first 6,000 transfers out for him, but surely now with the announcement of that double, um, a few people might be thinking twice about selling him.
2: Yeah, I imagine uh, he's going to be one that people... Uh well, he's going to be one who was drinking last chance saloon, but perhaps now, because of that favourable double game week, potentially, we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, not confirmed yet, don't take this as confirmation, uh, but because of that potential double perhaps coming his way, uh, many will be uh, uh, holding their axe. All right, let's move on to the main topic this week, which is the 200 club. What is this, you may ask? Um, It's the elite band of players who reach 200 points uh, per season. And we thought we'd kind of step back and have a look at that just because Son, uh, this game week, became a first-time entrant to this very exclusive club. As It's by Nick in the summer. Uh, Bruno, of course, as well, is a new kid on the block. But that was, I guess, maybe kind of clearly going to happen. Salah as well, which is one point off and we thought, you know, this weekend, Son and Zalo will both be joining this club. Obviously, it's not happened with the game being called off at Old Trafford, but we thought with both of them joining the club, it was worth talking about. And um, just in terms of the potted history of this. So, you know, over the last couple of years, what's happened? Well, the last five years actually, I've got data for. Um the last couple of years, actually, we've been very fortunate because we've had eight players in the 200-plus grouping in that time. Eight players have managed to reach the 200-point ceiling, which is just incredible, really, because if you look at prior seasons, it's been much more fallow. So in 2017-18, only four players reached 200-club, and in 2016-17, it was six. And we're beginning to get to the kind of throwback territory here, 2016-17, because the 200 club reads as follows. Alexis Sanchez, the highest scoring player that year. Dele Ali in second. Eden Hazard in third. Some bloke with Harry Kane in fourth. Romelu Lukaku and Christian Eriksen, who both actually got a trophy um, in uh, rounding off the top six. And the Kevin De Bruyne was on 9-9 that year. Over time, Mo Salah's been the most consistent, so since he joined the Premier League in that season, his 300-point season, he's managed to score 200 points every year. So he's been in the 200 club four times out of four. He's also the only member of the 300 club ever. Beyond that, there's only two other entrants in the last five years in the 200 club. They are Kane and Raheem Sterling. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, very, very close, it's worth mentioning, so last year and in 2017-18. And he got 199 points back in 216-17. So I think he kind of gets in on a bye, doesn't he? Lots of twos otherwise. So people who have been in it twice, like Sadio Mane last year and the year before, or Bamiyang last year and the year before. Same score as well. Exact identical score for him. And Eden Hazard. This year, we've got three players in 200 club. And Mohamed Salah, as I said, as good as in it. Um, that's Bruno on 2 Kane on two two zero, Son on 2-1-1 and Salah on one nine nine. In fifth, it's Bamford and 166. So it's quite a long way away. I've done some projections as well. So I've basically averaged the individual points per minutes played, added that to their current total to find the projection. My guess is that Kane is going to finish first and two five six. Bruno second, two four, seven, son third, two three, six, and Salah fourth on 230. So this year, I think there's only going to be four members of the 200 club, probably halving the number that we've seen in the previous two seasons. To add to the unpredictability of it all, compared to last season, seven of last season's eight in the 200 club have not made it this year. Only Salah has made it. Last season, the 200 club read KDB, Salah, Mane, Trent, Vardy, Aubameyang, Sterling and Martial. Martial got into the 200 club last year. Amazing, eh? So only Jamie Vardy's got a hope of getting in from that list to make it two out of eight. He needs 35 points from four games so nine points per game. Good luck, Jamie. So, I mean, Nick, you spoke about Son uh, preseason. Uh, were you kind of glad to see him hit that 200 point mark? And uh, what do you think about the 200 club in general?
3: Yeah, of course. I was glad as, as a Spurs fan, it, <laughs> you bring back memories of that sort of sixteen seventeen season where we were actually right at the top, um, sort of fighting for the for the title, almost um, like sort of Son and um, well, not like Son, like of Eriksson and Ali and and Kane, all really sort of bossing it, and such a sort of great period for Spurs, I guess. in this season, Son and Kane obviously have had excellent seasons, but unfortunately, the, the rest of the the squad haven't quite pulled their weight very much been a a two-man team. But yeah, it's it's very interesting really to see the decline of some of the premium assets over the course of this season compared to last year, where you mentioned some of those names that did so well, the likes of Anthony Martial, obviously, um, Doing excellent. He's been injured for a lot of this season. He was also reclassified to a forward. So we were expecting a little bit of a drop off on points from him. But the likes of Obami um, Yang got reclassified, obviously, as a forward to a midfielder. So we we're really expecting him to kind of press on. Um, even like the likes of Rashford were quite close, actually. And they also got classified forward to midfielder. He was another one that I was thinking pre season might hit that 200 club if he could maintain that form. But unfortunately, didn't work out. And, you know, De Bruyne as well. Hmm dropping a little bit but I think you know when we talk about these sort of players I guess them um, sort of the 200 club players these are the kind of the key men in our side aren't they really these are the sort of a critical assets the guys we rely on the guys we give um the captain's armband to and and we just we just rely on them for that reliability that consistency and I guess this season there's there's not been as many candidates for it you know last year we had this whole sort of Salah versus Mané debate there hasn't been that debate this year um it's basically just been sort of Kane and Salah and Bruno sort of being key fixtures in our team and, and not too many other premiums really knocking on the door um but yeah definitely a, a decline I was actually actually had high hopes on Martinez, I thought he might be able to be the first ever goalkeeper to hit the 200 club. And he was actually on an average rate of hitting it up until four game weeks ago. Uh, But now he's sort of, um, he's joined fifth in terms of overall points with Bamford, but with five games to play, he needs an average of 7.2 points per game in the remaining games. And I guess this stage, it's like sort of the cricket where the run rate is just getting too high to be achievable. So it's a bit disappointing really, because he's had such a a great season. Uh, But yeah I don't know what you think Lucy about the uh, the 200 club.
0: I think this is partly why it's felt like the the season for the template um because we've had such a limited pool of players. Normally as Tom said we were looking at kind of um seven or eight players in that in that group and you know cutting that in half is always going to have an impact and I think normally you'd have looked at I'm particularly someone like Sterling is is often a very popular pick as someone who's kind of slightly differential you know a really explosive option that might bring you kind of back into the reckoning if you slip behind and there just hasn't been that kind of variety available um it's been quite good from one perspective in the sense so you've been able to kind of leave those premium assets and work with the rest of the team and kind of negotiating fixtures and things um but i don't think it's helped people that felt like they'd lost ground at the beginning um, kind of try and make up ground so it's quite difficult um, but I, I've obviously enjoyed it because I have them quite early on. <laughs>
1: This is actually the thing I think you really nailed onto a point there and it's that sense of predictability that we're paying for uh, with the high price that we pay for these premiums and obviously this year they were a lot of players who would have been priced based on their heroics of last season so we had so many players in the 200 club this year or last season who just haven't performed this season and those are the people obviously that were in the early template that didn't fire well the likes of Obamiang is a classic example what I actually did was I looked at a piece of data that we looked at as well last week, which was Chris Tan's uh, de- poll data uh, when it came to captaincy picks week by week for this season and last season. And what I found was quite interesting was that last year, 35 of the 38 uh, cap- like leaders in the captaincy poll were accounted for in the 200 club. So you had Salah 11 times, Sterling 8 times, Vardy 8 times, KDB 4 times and Martial once so the 35 out of the 38 game weeks could be accounted for by these reliable picks this year by comparison it's been all over the place because people have been staggering to try and figure out who is going to be the 200 club player you know for the longest time it wasn't even necessarily certain that Salah would get there son wouldn't have, you know i know nick was confident in the preseason, but son wouldn't have necessarily been a clear pick for this as someone who wasn't on penalties for example and for him to get there without those set p- with without penalties especially as pretty remarkable bruno Lesso and kane would have been expected to get there too but what that's resulted in is that in only 21 of the 34 game weeks have we seen one of these four 200 club players actually leading the polls for the captaincy so that sense of predictability that we usually pay for hasn't actually been there this season which is i think one of the more interesting things that's come out of looking at these numbers
2: I guess with that comes that kind of sense, as you said, that the tried and tested sort of players who started performing, kind of kept performing. And as Lucy said as well, because you didn't have that stirring sort of character There wasn't that sort of recourse you could go to if you were trying to do something else. We've said that a few times this season that you snooze, you lose. Don't bet against the house. That really has been the sort of watchword for how the season has unfolded because there have only been a few kind of really key, secure players. You know, last year we were delighting in the fact that you know it wasn't quite working out with one player. You could draft in the likes of Mane, you could draft in the likes of Vardy, likes of Aubameyang, and they would still do a job for you looking at the overall totals at least. And in Project Restart, of course, you had a player like Martial absolutely exploding onto the scene, as well as just below the 200 club, the likes of Ings and Jimenez. um, You know, two points off, six points off. This year, there's quite a big gap between the top four and the rest of the players who are on the list. And it kind of just means that the sense of predictability works very well if you're in a good position. But it's also meant that you, if you're not in a good position, and believe me, I know how this feels, um, it's been hard to sort of you know fight your way back up the hill. It's felt very kind of Sisyphean uh, trying to sort it out. I guess sometimes per year you have this sort of the pit, the kind of the pitfall of keeping hold that like you think, oh, these players, they're so expensive, so i better hold on to them. This week, you know, with the likes of Bruno, for example, in hindsight, I could have said, as I said earlier on, I should have removed that guy and put Baylor and then captained him. Um, but I mean, Looking at the high ownership levels of a guy like Bruno throughout this course of this season, it's felt like it's just been the smart move to hold on to this player rather than doing anything else about it. Right. Like it's it really hasn't been a season to be chopping and changing where Anthony, it's just not been the time to be um, trying to hedge your bets elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think back to, uh, I think it was around Christmas time, December, January, February, where Nick and I especially were in- indulging in kind of a premium roulette. And I think just more often than not, it-, it ended in tears for me. Nick was going well at the time and I think it worked out okay for him by comparison. Nick is shaking his head violently in disagreement at that thought. So it didn't work out well for either of us trying to outsmart that. And I think it is like, i looking at that four-name list. I did not have all four of those in my squad for, for, you know, one game week, I would say all season, maybe it happened once or twice where I managed to get all four into my team and then started going off compromising, trying to beat the template, beat the house and inevitably probably fell off with it. And I've done a bit better now that I've tried to just keep as many of them as possible in my side at all times. Yeah, I was just going to
3: say. Yeah, did, I don't think it went well for me trying to rotate Salah and Fernandez. If you if you remember, just me getting absolutely punished. Exactly. Yeah, now yeah, that you yeah. say it, Nick.
1: Yeah. Now that you say it, like once you say mm. taking your head, I was just imagining yeah, like, no, all the you came well, Yeah, when <laughs> you yeah, came on here on a Monday,
3: just like oh my god, it was when um, Salah did that thirty-three minute cameo against oh, <laughs> You three, and, and I both got done by that. So we, that was uh... like the one week. Of, I think I was rotating him out. So. I think I knew it wasn't the start, but then he still turned up for 33 minutes and just absolutely punished. But yeah, I mean, I I agree with like a lot of those points made. It's definitely just been about the, the four core guys and, and we've been, you know, messing around trying to fit them all in all the time. And it's just it's really just not worked out, I guess, and in certain extents. It's been about some sort of the supporting cast to a certain extent who has sort of emerged. And whilst Sterling, uh, Sterling and KDB haven't been the stars of Manchester City, somehow, and we'd have never predicted this in the preseason, Gundogan has outscored them. You know, Martial was a, a star for Manchester United this season. Even though Lingard missed a whole half a season, he still outscored um he still outscored Martial yeah. and you know in the last 10 weeks as well, we've had Acho score nine goals, Vardy just the one. So it's, it's been about sort of some of the emerging characters, I guess, at some of these clubs, as opposed to kind of the tried and tested uh, players that kind of the premium assets from last year that did so well. So uh, it's very interesting that.
1: I think maybe bringing us on a little bit further, that kind of gets us towards like the pitfalls that we've had of keeping hold of some of those players, maybe trusting that they would come good. I know an awful lot of people got burnt by keeping Aubameyang for maybe four or five gamings at the start of the season. There was two decent fixes at the start for Arsenal that meant he was very popular. And then a lot of people thought, well, oh, it's coming, it's coming. I swear, he's going he's gonna to come good. And it just didn't happen for them. And obviously, mm-hmm. De Bruyne, as someone who I was burnt by multiple times, Sterling, I think, has been... Um, Definitely a difficulty for many. And as well, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, we always felt like, oh, they can't possibly continue to be this bad. And you could man it to another extent, but TAA especially. It kind of seemed like he could be Salah-esque as someone who would be a 200-pointer year in, year out for five, six, seven, eight, nine years in a row. And then suddenly for him to be nowhere near it has been a real shock.
2: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It's definitely been stark. The fall off for Mane, for example, 2 and one and 2 one last year. Just 137 at the moment and projects to maybe hit 150. Uh, TAA as well last season, um, obviously his breakthrough year 210, the year before 185. Um, one, eight, well, the year before, I think he was like, five, 5.0 at the start of the season. Madness this year, 127. And Aubameyang, wow. Yeah, I mean, that that was probably the big hope, wasn't everybody? Uh, 205 two years in a row and now at 120 and not projects to do any better. And, and as, we, as, as we mentioned earlier as well, um, Raheem Sterling three years in the top, in the top, in the 200 club and now 140 points. I mean, Lucy, are are these players' as gooses cooked? Is it all over for them? Or do we think that there's a chance of redemption next year? Is it the case that they're kind of just lying in wait next year when they're neglected assets we should be jumping on and trying to kind of get the, uh, steal the march on other people?
0: I think the City one has particularly thrown people just because you would expect the kind of dominant team in the league to be, to be providing FPL points and they're not really doing that I think there have been kind of a number of mitigating circumstances which I wouldn't expect to be the case next season so we've seen City switch to quite a a kind of controlled style, which I don't think was the case before. So they're much more aware of the counter attack. They mm. kind of dominate possession in a different way. They're
2: strangling it, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They kind of like, they kind of slowly squeeze you to death, which I don't think is quite the way they were playing before. So I think they normally average around the 100 goal mark. So I think they've had like 95, 105, that kind of thing. Then they're only 71 at this point. So I can't see them making you know their usual total and I think that's that's had an impact. I think the lack of a kind of consistent number nine, although you know Guardiola will rotate, he he generally in the past has had a kind of a central striker and we haven't really seen that. Uh, Jesus has been off the boil and Aguero's obviously been injured. Um so it would be interesting if they uh, recruit in the summer um KDB perhaps doesn't have the injury problems he's had. Um, they perhaps don't go as deep in Europe. I mean, that's definitely been an influence in the last mm. kind of few weeks. Um, and I think you'd start to see those, you know, KDB and Sterling and, you know, a striker if they bought one would be much higher up that that scale. And I think those are the ones that have really thrown people. And KDB and Sterling have, you know, time and time again, as Anthony was saying, you know, people have tried to use City to, to push themselves up and they just haven't done it. Um, so, yeah, I
2: think that'll be the interesting one next season. I think um, Sterling as well. He's definitely, there's been decline of the, and it's been documented of athletic via Sam Lee. And if you watch them as well, as of, in terms of um, City, just, as you said, strangling the game to death, like Sterling used to just thrive on the Man City goal, which was basically an early cross into the box and the late arrival scoring. That was the Man City goal. And it was often Raheem Sterling on the end of that goal. Like, three seasons in a row, 200 plus points this season absolutely nowhere absolutely nowhere 141 points and if you watch him as well i mean it doesn't matter if we agree with form or not he's just he's just not at the races in the same way it's just been incredible hasn't it nick to see him decline um and to see kind of these exiters in general um i mean what's your view on these guys is it all over for them or will we see a resurgence in players like sterling players like marnie perhaps
3: yeah, I think, I think with Sterling and, and De Bruyne, it, it's not been quite their season, but obviously sort of from a team collective, Manchester City have had a great season considering, you know, the, the competitions they're still in. Um, they could probably, you know, they're going to win the title as well. And it's just been more of a team performance, perhaps. Uh, the likes of Sterling hasn't quite been at the races. I was just looking at some of the stats earlier in terms of sort of his goal threat and sort of some of his shot accuracy, just even over the course of the last six game weeks. And, you know, he's just been missing like so many attempts it's it's ridiculous over the course of the season his shot accuracy is sort of 38.5% so it's it's really low compared to um, what we've seen from him from sort of previous campaigns and and De Bruyne as well like he went through almost like over half the season without actually having a goal from open play so it's just a massive sort of drop in form from him, you know, thirteen goals and twenty-three assists he had last campaign, and it was always like we always kind of knew that he was perhaps overperforming to a certain extent last year. There would be a little bit of a drop in performance. I think it was expected, but you know, he's halved his goal tally down to five. His assists have also dropped down to eleven. I mean, he has had a bit of an injury um, at various points in the season, but subsequently, um, it's just not been a season. But certainly, I think with De Bruyne and Sterling, I would not write them off at all. Um, I, you know, the likes of Jamie Vardy as well. I, He's he is 34 now, so maybe you know we, we might not see him at his best again because um, obviously he's one of the main talents for sort of catching players on the break, sort of the electric pace. But um, you know, I, w- I would also say even though Vardy's 34, I'd still say write him off um, at your peril just because of what we've seen from him over the past five six uh, years in the in the Premier League, where he's been one of the best forwards in in the league, and and same with Aubameyang again, like. You know, ever since sort of in true Arsenal fashion, ever since he's got his bumper new contract, he's been rubbish. But, um, you know, he's, he's obviously a supremely talented footballer, as, as we have seen over the past couple of years. So even though it's not quite worked out for some of these guys this year, I'm sure we'll see them back to their best and improve um, next year.
1: I think I'm similar to you, Nick, in that I'm right off Vardy at your peril, but I think more so than you, I do think that for the time might make it just that little bit more difficult for him. And I actually, I know maybe you, you might suggest I'm just betting on a flash in the pan too heavily, but I would say that Iheanacho is probably more likely to get to that 200 club than Vardy next season. Oh, just, intriguing. Yeah, I would say. Cool. Um, but that's obviously putting an awful lot of reliance on a very you know short enough period of form. Um, but I think he has got that sort of thing in him, especially if they decide to try and build the team around him. And I think he has maybe given himself that you know an entitlement to expect that from Rodgers going into next season. Looking at the rest of those exiters Aubameyang, I really don't know what to think of them because I don't know what to think of Arsenal anymore. And like I, I've had this kind of constant battle with trying to understand Arsenal, and I've just decided. I don't understand Arsenal, and so Aubameyang especially is one that I'll just just stay away from in this. So then there's Trent Alexander-Arnold, and he's one player who may have exited the top or the two hundred point club this year, but I do not see that happening again. Like looking at just the basic numbers, he scored half the number of goals this season, he's got a third of the assists, and he's got half the clean sheets. Almost the same amount of bonus points, though, interestingly that's not going to happen again. I suspect especially the assists will go up and the clean sheets will go up and that will bring him nicely along towards the 200 club, even before you think that he might have a bit more goal potential later on. I do think as well, This is a bit speculative. I think he could easily end up being an out-of-position midfielder who's still classed as a defender at some point next season. Just I feel that that's the trajectory his career is going on and that would obviously make him uh, even better from an FPL perspective than he's ever been before. So I'd be really excited for him. Mane, there's nothing to say he can't. He has been unusually off it. But I do have a theory with him that between him and Salah, one of them probably has to leave Liverpool this season. And I could see him I could see Mane, if he ends up being the survivor, doing it and breaking the 200 club at Liverpool. But I could also see him getting to the 200 club at another Arsenal-esque type club too, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's,
2: better, he's much better than Arsenal. He has been in the 200 club before as well, don't forget. Um, but yeah, no, uh, interesting uh, nomination. Trent adds on to Arnold to be even the next Gareth Bale there. That's a really, really interesting indeed. Uh, Lucy, I guess entrance next year's 2021, 22, 200 club. Anyone you think is a potential going forwards?
0: Potentially a Chelsea asset, given that we've had that kind of turbulence at Chelsea this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone, and I, I don't want people to laugh, but Timo Werner, I wouldn't be surprised to see him around that kind of mark. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously had a terrible season in front of goal, uh, but he, you know, I expect Chelsea to be pretty kind of strong in terms of challenging the title, and I think he will likely be a part of it. Similarly, Kai Havertz, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in there. I, yeah, I just think Chelsea have kind of a, an obvious omission from the kind of higher end of the of the points table at the moment, so I would think that there will be one of them involved. Um, I think actually it's worth pointing out that we may have doubts about our kind of usual reliable picks. So, for example, Salah is meant to be going to the Olympics and that might have an impact on his beginning of season, and he will also have AFCON. So that might mean that although he probably will make it, he might not make it in such a convincing fashion as normal.
2: I think the only one to pick up on there is Werner as well. I had him down too. I looked at his XG on understat, 13 goals, um, and he scored six. So, yeah, massive underperformance there. Um, As we actually did um, caution at the start of the season, having played fancy Bundesliga, and watched him. He is an incredibly frustrating character in front of goal and it has proved incredibly difficult to kind of guess, but equally if he's got the underlying numbers. So as a player who does kind of work in streaks, he will hit a rich vein of form and do well over the course of four or five games, fall off for a little bit and get back on that horse. And, um, it's only a matter of time, I think, with Werner, depending on how it's set up around him. It looks like uh, Mr. Tickle is going to do that. And I think he'd be a really interesting pick next year, especially if he kind of continues to be a the butt of the jokes this year, like kind of at the start of next season, not me looking at him. If you have to do get a, a reasonable start of the season, um, I think that he could be one who could just dark horse it into a few teams and actually do pretty well, and might have a nice little price drop as well, Lucy. That's so what I was I, about
0: to say. it will be interesting to see how they price him up. We often see that, don't we? When a player underperforms, we probably get a bit. of I, I was surprised he's on as cheap as he was, and I wonder if Fernand will, will have a similar kind of um issue, well not issue actually benefit. Um, so yeah,
3: a. Hey. Yeah. I think mean, one, one player I actually considered um, separately was F- Phil Foden as a possible uh, player that could hit that 200 club. So he, he's actually been sort of doubling his output season by season and improving every year. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's only 20 years of age as well. He's, he's so young. Um, this season, he's actually um, only 10 points behind De Bruyne um, in terms of FPL points. So he's uh, having a really, really good season, obviously, with Manchester City and what we've seen with a lot of the other players this season is the rotation threat. Um, and it kind of depends as to whether Pep actually fully trusts him or, enough to play him week in, week out, or if he's still going to try and argue the case that he's, he's too young to start every game and, and must be rotated for his development. So a little bit of a question mark there in terms of the minutes, obviously with Foden, but just in terms of what he's actually outputting on the pitch um, has been excellent this season. So he's got seven goals and eight assists. Um, And yeah, that's only in 1,442 minutes of football. So in order to enter the 200 club um, on that sort of rate of return, you'd only need to play 2,400 minutes of next season, which would sort of be two thirds of the the minutes over the course of the campaign. So I I certainly think Foden perhaps um, won. I don't know really, to be honest, if it's going to be his year next year, but maybe the year after that, he could definitely be someone in the future that hears that that target um, but yeah the, the other one I guess I'll mention now that I kind of thought perhaps there's another one who could do it and I said his name earlier was Marcus Rashford um, so last season he was really close and if he was a midfielder he'd have made it um, he got 17 goals and eight assists that year um, and this year he has um, increased his assists tally up to 10 but um, only has 10 goals so not quite made it this year um, I mean there's a possibility if he nets a hat-trick in the next game or something but hasn't quite done it, uh, but only really sort of five goals away from that 200 points target. So certainly another one that could um, enter that Hall of Fame, so to speak, of of 200 points in FPL.
1: Yeah, so I think one interesting thing that makes a player able to get into the 200 club is being able to get double figures for goals and assists and of course there will be players who can get there without necessarily getting to that you know double figures in goals and assists but I think it's a pretty decent way to imagine how a player could get there and so the guys have mentioned Rashford and he obviously got 10 goals and 10 assists this season 160 points is a fine season but like that clearly shows he's a player that could do better Werner is actually the only Chelsea player who has actually reached double figures in all competitions for goals and assists so far this year and I think you could see him you know obviously finish a little bit better next season and just add to what he's been doing and I don't necessarily, I don't I haven't given up on him at all just yet. Havertz is a player who could do it as well and we've seen that in the Bundesliga previously. You the guys also mentioned City and they talked about uh, the lack of a number 9. I think that is something that affected De Bruyne this season but It's also something that Aguero, for example, was able to break 200 when fit and playing twice in recent seasons, three times in total while he's been at City. So it kind of shows you that a City number nine would be a classic example of someone who could come in. And then maybe thinking even more broadly, the likes of Jack Grealish and Wilf Saha are the types of players who have shown at much smaller clubs that they're capable of getting to double figures for goals and assists. And if they get a move or even if the clubs that they're at improve around them to some extent, they are definitely people who could reach that 200 point club.
0: I actually wonder with Grealish and Zaha, such as their kind of talismanic status, if mm-hmm. they move to certain larger clubs where they become more of a squad player, does that actually kind of damage them? Because I think Grealish would have got quite close this season yeah. had he like, stayed, you know, probably been part of the team and been fit. And I just wonder, someone like him, if he went to, you know, a squad with lots of options whether he might not necessarily get the minutes in order to provide that kind that's of the, output, um,
3: that's the Riyad Mara's effect isn't it to a certain extent so he's only been in the 200 club that one year at Leicester and every year he's been close to it but I think it's been about minutes really for him hasn't it as opposed to performance when he has played because when he plays he seems to return but doesn't doesn't always get those minutes
1: yeah it's, it's a really interesting one really for like the 200 club it is very important also to be playing regularly and I guess that's something that's maybe affected the whole host of City players I mean, you mentioned Foden Nick earlier as someone who could clearly reach it if he just gets the minutes and that if is going to hang over all of those players uh, for quite some time and think, unless things kind of crystallise a little bit more under Pep or under probably won't be under a new manager but crystallise under Pep to some extent more.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think also about Werner, I was just thinking about like he might be reclassified as a midfielder as well, which could benefit his output. So he's definitely a great shout um, for one that could hit the 200 club if he can just get his uh, shooting boots right.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I think it takes a certain sort of player, doesn't it, just to round off the discussion to get you from being a good player at the start of the season. So think about what we're saying about. Calvert Lewin, for example, at the start of the year, this guy, you know, he's going to make it throughout the course of the year. Well, you know, he's only on 148 points, and he's been outscored by Ollie Watkins, famously talentless Ollie Watkins, um, so far this season. Um, And it really is the case that you've got to have that sort of gladiatorial sense of continuing consistency in order to make it into that 200 club just for one season, let alone season after season. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of hear from the likes of Salah, who just make it there every year, um, through the likes of Sterling and why they may have fallen off, according to us. Um, through to the likes of Mane, who you know last year and the year before were very, very good and could come back. You know, Hazard's a great example. He had that horrid season for 2017-18 um, where he couldn't really get going and still managed to get only 173 points then Came back to finish second in FPL the next season on his final season at Chelsea. Um, it'll be really interesting to see as well whether the likes of Foden and Co uh, move forward, but nonetheless, you know, the 200 club, I guess, is always going to be one of those kind of key considerations for us in terms of the key decisions in FPL be it captaincy, be it transfers in, be it team structure. Um, so yeah, really interesting discussion there. Let's move on to the questions after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
3: so we're back and it's uh time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league as i said earlier the code is cpsuof if you want to be a Um, a late joiner to the league. So I'll do a quick roundup of the uh, top five. Uh, Dropping down a few places, it's Ryan Hobbs with Hobbsy's Heroes, only 35 points for him. Uh, Also dropping down is Abdul Hassan, also scoring 35 points, uh, both on the exact same score right now, 2,300. So it's very, very tight actually at the top. Um, And one point ahead is is Victor Sandberg. He's on 2,301. In second, just one point ahead again, it's Tim Franson. Um, he's on 2,302, but number one in the league, rising up the ranks, decent week for him, getting 48 points is Graham Sesson. So he's nine points ahead of Tim, 2,311 in total. Um, sort of the likes of uh, Ben Chilwell, sort of doing the business for him, a few random differentials there, and Son and Chris Wood and uh, Semedo even picking up a random assist, uh, uh, taking him up sort of, sort of 307 overall ranks. So yeah, um, having a great season there, Graham.
0: Very
2: well done indeed. Right, so the correspondence is the next part of this particular section. And it's uh, well, a, a well known uh, correspondent, Anthony, who's uh, sent in another question for us to answer, and quite a timely one, I guess, uh, given how this game week has gone.
1: Yeah, Go yes, on. indeed. The correspondence section, which is, of course, your chance to have your comments, questions, addendums, and creative endeavors featured and dissected in long form on the pod. Uh, correspondence this week was greatly received to who got the assist at gmail.com from FPL raccoon uh, Rishi, who's a massive friend of the show, and his, uh, as he starts off his email. This one is for you, Anthony, from one of WGTA's number one fans and an OG long-term listener. Uh, Rishi, basically, he heard us talking about midfield differentials a few weeks back, and following on from that, uh, he thought it would be interesting to hear us discuss the template five midfielders uh, and rate them from most essential to dispensable. So those core five being for him, and he was trying to look past the blank game week when he was looking at this, were Salah, Jota, Bruno, Son and Lingard in that order. Now, bear in mind that Rishi emailed in a few weeks back, so the trials and tribulations of owning Jota have uh, meant that he wouldn't necessarily be that high in Rishi's list now. So it's an interesting question that he asked us there about rating those five template midfielders, but I'm going to take it a little bit further for us and ask you all if you agree with Rishi's core five mids and the order thereof, But I'd also ask you to consider a few differential names that could be considered for the final few weeks of the season, maybe taking effective ownership and fixtures into account specifically in that midfield category. So, uh, Lucy, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Well, as queen of the template, um, I would say that's pretty much how I'd have them. Um, Jota's the only one I don't own. I have the other four. Um, and they are pretty much, Jota I have kind of ummed and ahmed about for probably five or six weeks and just never kind of, he's never been a priority. And I've the thing I always have with Jota is that you don't really know if you're getting the minutes out of him. And I, I just feel that that's kind of quite undervalued. People look at a lot of, you know, expected stats. But when it comes to minutes, especially at the stage of the season, when you're expecting kind of European rotation and all that kind of uncertainty, um. So is the one that I've kind of struggled to buy into. I think um, if I was gambling against any of them at the moment, it would be against Lingard. I think it's, it's a tricky one because we don't really understand streaks in our kind of statistical modelling. So, you know, I think he might have come to the end of his streak or he might be tailing off. Um, and he obviously doesn't have that game week. I, I would he would be the one that I'd be looking at kind of potentially moving on. Um the the other three, four, yeah, Jota comes back into it just because of the potential the double game with potential, and the other three I wouldn't touch. So yeah, so I So you're think...
1: you're five then, if you had a five, who would they?
0: <sighs> I have, uh well Salah and Bruno I would be terrified to go without. Um yeah. I think I'd have a Jota or a Greenwood. Um mm-hmm. I think Son isn't got a double game week, but his fixtures good enough, and I, I think Mason seems to have taken the the handbrake off there. So I I would still think Son was in there. It's just that fifth one. I, I I given that I'm playing a lot of three four three at the moment, I probably would just downgrade them to someone rubbish like Smith Rowe or something. Um, but yeah, I James Ward Prowse is one I spoke about earlier. If you want a kind of cheap one in that slot, I think the fixtures are there. The double game weeks there. There's no blank. I. I maybe look at him but I I would probably just be looking at the kind of key four in the moment
2: yeah I think I agree with that I think that um, it's hard to look past the players that you mentioned that you'd be uh, deadly scared of I also think that Lingard is the kind of guy that I point out as being the one that perhaps may have uh, become a bit of a self-filling prophecy in terms of their performance stuff I think we often see it don't we um These sort of picks, when they are an unknown quantity for a while, they absolutely can explode every now and again, and then they trail off because managers, opposition managers, that is, make designs on them. The 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 manager that manages them says, right, okay, I know that other teams are be looking at you now because you've been scoring and assisting, so it's time for the other blokes to kind of take a step forward, and also the FBL herd jumps on these players as soon as they start to trade off. The amount of people I've seen complaining, Oh, you know, I fell for the FOMO on Lingard. Oh, I brought him in after, you know, the boat is left. Absolutely. Kind of makes sense uh, that he would be the one that I'd be also pointing out as being one who's kind of failed, not failed actually, but fallen off a little bit. Um, Yeah, I I mean, uh, I've got Mason Greenwood, uh, Bruno and Salah uh, uh, this week. I would have, I I wish I did remove Bruno for for bail, but that is Captain Hindsight very much talking on my behalf there. Um, I've got Lingard and I've got Jota. Um, I think I'm going to probably keep that midfield for the time being. I might move Jota for someone else this week just to kind of uh, uh, get somebody... uh, uh, to try to get a better midfield defender in for Rudiger for the double game week but uh, it, it's actually quite a difficult situation now um but equally that kind of equals opportunity as, in terms of the EO stuff that Rishi mentioned earlier on um because in not owning the same players as everybody else as we found out this week if he did own a bail and mean Son perhaps is a bit more template but he was obviously sold very heavily up until this week um not owning, I don't know, lights for Martinez and throwing in a Mendy, um, having those differentials now is going to make such a huge impact on your season, um, and if you are able to anticipate and look at the lights of Template Central and kind of think, okay, I'm going to bet against them. Okay, the season, as we said earlier on, was not the season; it has not been the season to be betting against the Template. Um, but I think that that equally is where the opportunity lies uh, in terms of making those massive rank jumps because, at the end of the day conforming um is not going to be the way uh, to move forward here uh, nick what do you reckon um to that how would you look at the kind of, template field and what sort of areas would you be thinking here as an opportunity to the, to progress
3: yeah i mean i'd agree with quite a few of the points that both of you made um just in relation to the, sort of the the five players that um have been mentioned. Um Lingard um hasn't been in my team and um, neither has Mo Salah. And though I've been punished, you know, a couple of the last few game weeks, at least this game week, it kind of worked out to a certain extent in my favour. Um, Jota was the one sort of the bottom of the pile, I guess, for me out of those five, if I was to choose before sort of perhaps um this weekend, obviously, with the double game week and the cancellation and Lingard blanking tonight, things have shifted a little bit in terms of how I'd rate that template. It was quite interesting, as you mentioned there about Lingard and perhaps opposition managers targeting him a little bit more knowing what he can do now because he was actually sort of watching the games sort of Ben Rama that was kind of creating all of those chances for West Ham so he, um, he created five chances um, Antonio got on the end of one of them um, also had a couple of goal attempts which he, he screwed up um, in the course of the game as well. So he was getting a lot of opportunity, whilst Lingard wasn't really as heavily involved as we've seen in the past few game weeks. So perhaps he's one um, to consider selling if if people do own him. Uh, But certainly I think um, Salah's definitely... Key and and Bruno as well, especially now with the double game week, I'm probably going to sell Son just to get Salah in, just because uh, Spurs don't have a game week, uh, double game week, even though it's a little bit of a risk. It's just the way I can afford um, to do my moves. I've also got Christian Pulisic, so he was the differential pick that I went for. I I decided not to go for Lingard. I was taking that gamble and went for Pulisic, and unfortunately for me, it's it's not worked out. He was getting returns before I got him in, got a, a brace and a goal, um, for that so I was hoping to jump on sort of the next trend so to speak the next bandwagon but he scored in Europe and then didn't play in the league so a little bit frustrating for me to to bring him in but he's probably going to have to go as well and sort of one of those players I think who might come in even though I can't afford him at the moment is it's Wilf Saha uh, perhaps there's another one that could be a template buster in that midfield just because of the double for Crystal Palace and and the single game week so certainly I think he's one maybe that could be Kind of entering that sort of five, if we're going to name another fifth player. But I think what Lucy said about sort of going for a 3, four, three probably more up my street at the moment because I've got sort of and Nacho and um, Watkins as my front line. So maybe some sort of like fifth midfielder who can just sit there and, and do nothing, perhaps the de- answer and. and Yeah, as as you mentioned, Tom, about some of the differentials, we also had Kai Havertz score brace this week. Um, We had Aubameyang score and get an assist as well. And and Bayer obviously with a hat-trick. So, you know, whilst we've got these template midfielders, if you're really looking to sort of break the EO, so to speak, and and climb up the ranks, um, it might be the time to look at some of these alternate picks as opposed to the, the template five, as we put them.
1: Yeah, so I think maybe to summarise what you guys are saying, I feel that it seems like Salah and Bruno are definitely agreed upon, like nailed on in our 5 no matter who's speaking. Then Jota, Greenwood and Son are pretty much there, but sometimes have to be compromised on in various ways to fit others of, you know, two out of the three will probably be in most of our teams. And then the likes of the differentials that we're re really speaking about, you have Zaha, Ward-Prowse, Havertz, Bale. And I'm going to throw in, a Manchester City risk here a player who definitely won't be playing in their Champions League games and who I think with that in mind is more likely to play in their league games and that's Ferran Torres who has two goals in the last three game weeks and obviously has the capacity to do something pretty good the City team can still hammer anybody and they've obviously been grinding away through Uh, Torres is as good a pick as any basically Um, if you were looking at the midfielders even you know he's obviously not a midfielder but Gabby Mm. Jesus would nearly you know (laughs) merit consideration based on the same kind of counter cyclical kind of reasoning really more than anything so yeah there are opportunities there uh, choose wisely and basically choose whatever lucy is choosing and it'll probably work out well in the end for you <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so hope that was good for you rishi uh, thanks very much for emailing us in if you want to feature in the correspondence section who got the assist at gmail.com your comments questions addendums creative endeavors like poetry songs we'll have it send it on
2: Yep, I'll sing it. Right, let's move on to double game week 35. Um, So health warning, um, there may be a double game with Liverpool and West Brom coming up due to the events the other day. Obviously, Liverpool didn't play today. And so we can kind of reasonably assume that there's going to be a double game with Liverpool. And Ben Krelling, we have heard um, through... some channels and um, he's saying that it's probably likely to happen this game week that they're likely to have a very, very nice one as well and um, basically what's going to happen in the game week 35 is that Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Man United, Southampton, Arsenal, Chelsea and Leicester have double game weeks of varying um, good-lookingness, uh, varying attractiveness. Um, do go and have a look at those um, on Ben quellen's uh, site. Um, what might happen as well um, due to the fact there was obviously that cancellation between Man United and Liverpool is that a couple of games that shifted around it could mean that Liverpool have the following double game week, Southampton at home and West Brom way, uh, which makes that an incredibly attractive game week uh, for anybody, um, any manager looking to buy players in or looking to find the captain. And West Brom have Arsenal way and Liverpool at home. Um, so if that is the double game week kind of fixture for 35, barring Liverpool, it, it actually isn't that great. So Aston Villa, Man United and Everton, Crystal Palace, Sheffield, Nice and Southampton. Okay, that looks okay. Everton, West Ham and Aston Villa away. Okay, that looks okay. Man United, Aston Villa and Leicester, Southampton, Liverpool and Crystal Palace. Eel, uh, Liverpool, all right, that looks good. Southampton, West Brom, Arsenal, West Brom and Chelsea. Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. Leicester, Newcastle, Man United and West Brom, Arsenal and Liverpool. Doesn't look like the best game week in the world, does it, for, in terms of double game weeks is this just a massive trap is the question I want to ask. I saw that Adam Hotcroft on the green arrow before the Liverpool game week potential came in and was basically saying, this is perhaps one of those pictures on those lists that doesn't particularly appeal. And I completely agree with him. If we're looking at the likes of Everton, uh, Nick, you mentioned earlier, um, Zaha. But if you're looking at Crystal Palace and trying to big them up as being a team that's worth investing in, surely we should be running for the hills here, Lucy, right? We should be looking at this sort of thing and thinking, oh, really? These are all teams that we've been writing off. Should we really be buying them in?
0: Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where I think particularly the teams that double and then blank are a massive trap. I think it's best to look at game week 35 and game week 36 as a pair rather than trying to isolate one from the other. Because the fact is, if you over-commit on that 35, you are left so short on 36. Um, so I, so those teams where they they double in 35 and, and blank in 36, I wouldn't bring any more of those in if you've already got them. Um, I don't think... Now, I know the Chelsea one looks awful, Man City Arsenal, but I feel like Tuchel likes to go really dull and, and really solid so I wouldn't be surprised if they got a clean sheet out of one of those I mean the Arsenal game obviously um, so, Sorry Tom um, right.
2: I don't, I don't <laughs> mind I've long given up being upset at these things
0: Okay, If, good. Yeah, probably, if Tom, if Tom was best.
1: getting offended for Arsenal Jeez. <laughs> um,
0: well, I think then. I I probably wouldn't bother with Zaha I just think he's too expensive for what he is and what palettes are um, and also, he he loves getting wound up against when he plays Southampton. I don't know if you noticed, but War Prowse gets right under his skin, and he was lucky not to get sent off. We hate each other, don't they? It's brilliant. Yeah, it's just sheer pantomime. I just love it. Um, and you can see War Prowse just just like slowly just winding him up. It's brilliant. Um, so I probably wouldn't go there. Um, I think the Man United one is decent enough. It's not great. It's fine. It wouldn't put me off any of their players. I'll probably bring in. I've only got Bruno, so I'll probably bring in another one. Um but yeah, I just wouldn't commit to teams that you already know you don't really fancy. Um, because one one extra fix doesn't really make any difference. Um so yeah, I'd probably look at Calvert Lewin if you needed a striker, I'd probably look at Luca Dean, but I think then there's nothing hugely attractive. Um and as you say, it's the Liverpool game where I I would go big. I would I would probably get three Liverpool players.
2: Yeah, that's the way it is, isn't it? I, mean, I did have a look at, to your point about getting teams who have got the 35 and the, uh, sorry, teams who have got the 35 and the 36. I I'd look at the SGI over the last four for double game week teams and um, you're looking at Calvert-Lewin, who's top for the XGI over the last four with 2.46. JWP, second, 1.97. But the penalty probably does play a big part of that. In fact, two penalties. I think he missed one, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago? Yes, yes um, And then El Ghazi in third. 5.2 million hero. He is a player who I'm going to be saying I'm going to be buying um, for Double Game Week, Double Game Week Fever. Um, Ollie Watkins, Benteke, Benteke. Uh, wow, um, who's going to be buying him? Uh, I'm sure there's going to be somebody on Protest who's like, oh, wow, I kept Benteke, lads. I've got them 25 points out of him. No, twenty-four. If they get, yeah, if they get twenty-five from a captain. Woo. I'm
0: 24. pretty sure one of Hindu Monkey's teams has Benteke. I'm
2: sure he does. Of the thousands of accounts that he runs and thousands of teams that he's got. Um uh, he's definitely and got Benteke somewhere. They're all rubbish, yeah. God he's gonna be very angry. And then and Danny Ings, um actually, um, is is uh, rounds off that list but obviously he's injured. And in defense as well, um chances created over the last four. Um Coleman, Seamus Coleman, a Coleman Gate hero found in Pritchard, um, he's created the most chance over the last four of the kind of the, the motley crew of teams um who are feature fi- feature in this list of having double game week, also uh, a game regardless el mohammedy in me uh dean in third and then the like matt target kwp and cash also appearing so it really is a motley crew nick isn't it i mean are there any players here that you're vaguely excited about i'm sure luca dean one of your key men from the past must be featuring heavily in your mind
3: yeah i'm, I'm a bit annoyed about luca dean actually because i wanted to get him in last week um but I was 0.1 million short of that move. So I ended up getting his mate uh, Mason Holgate in. Oh, of no. <laughs> and there's, I think, there's a six point swing in terms of uh, points. I think Dean picked up an assistance and bonus. So that was a little bit frustrating that I've now got sort of Holgate stinking out my team. But I had a, sort of a defensive crisis with Rudiger being out. So um, never mind about that particular move. But um, yeah, I think the focus is on Liverpool now. Um, I was going to get rid of Jota at actually originally but now with the potential double he'll be staying and you know the underlying stats actually for Jota and Salah are sort of the best of all the midfielders in from the last six game weeks with sort of Salah having 17 goals and Jota having 16 so I think um, both those guys are pretty critical and then Trent in defence of course as well um he's second for chances created of all defenders in the last six only behind Luke Shaw so um Luke Shaw's perhaps another option that's emerged now. Now United have that double as well. So he's another one perhaps in the defensive picks that um, people may be looking to target. as a sort of relatively cheap option as well. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's the midfielders, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to get rid of Son to to get most salary in. And I think the fourth guy is also going to have to be Christian Pulisic just because of the double for Chelsea and the single... Um, Sorry, and then the blank the following week, um, but I think that works out pretty well just in general for my team, just in terms of the double game week and the blanks, because it means uh, ten double game week players alongside Harry Kane, and then a full complement of playing stuff for the following week as well. So I think in terms of the double game week, it's not that exciting, but at least it might present a sort of a final opportunity to try and at least climb some uh, overall rank before we sort of hit that that sort of last game week, which is always extremely sort of unpredictable, but it is really about the the other midfield slot for me. And so, as I said, I'm going to get Salah and I'm going to sell Pulisic, but I've got a budget of 6.3 million for that sort of fourth midfielder. And it's, yeah, you are with, you are looking at the dregs um, at that budget. As I said, I would get Zaha, but I can't stretch to him either. Oh, so I'm looking at um, or, or Ezzi, Ezzi.
2: if you if you want the uh, Crystal Palace. Oh no, I yeah, D- I mean, don't buy Ezzy. Don't buy him. Don't buy him. Um, Re- but I'm also looking at um,
3: Stuart Armstrong, Lucy. So he's another one who's actually got some decent underlying stats. Um, looking pretty sharp, getting forwards only 5.5 million, uh, four goals, six assists. So yeah, maybe Armstrong as a pick.
0: Um, yeah, Armstrong is quite an interesting one. I thought he'd do much better this season than he has. And I think he was unfortunate in the sense that he had quite a number of injuries at the beginning of the season when we were actually any good and you might actually want any of our players. And then when he became good, we were quite bad. So he's kind of got quite unlucky, I think, in that respect. The only thing that I would say about Armstrong um, is that he has, in the last couple of games, played in central midfield and our, our central quite play quite deep. So that would put me off a little bit. Um, it really depends how Hasenhutl wants to play that. Diallo has traditionally played that when Romeo's not been available, but he's been quite poor recently. So yeah, Armstrong's played that role. And I would think that would have an impact on on his kind of stats. But yeah, I, I think there are plenty worse ideas. Um, I quite like the El pick, even if I'm not sure it was entirely serious. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. I'm, I'm okay. definitely
2: serious. I'm definitely going to sing his praises <laughs> right now. He's actually top for XG, Lucio, for the last two game weeks. Yeah, for the last two games there's a huge sample there. That's last a huge two sample. game weeks. He's Come on point. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. It, it is absolutely rubbish, but it is because he's one of those players who, because he's 5.2. And because he is, if you've watched any Aston Villa when he's been on the pitch, he is the most selfish player you could ever imagine playing football. And he's also on penalties. Um, in Jack Rich's absence, he's a really fun pick i think and at 5.2 you can play him for a double game week only for double game week and then happily consign him to the bench after that he's 5.2 you know it, it's all kind of priced in uh, to what he can give you and if you are looking at just kind of saying right okay i want a double game week player to kind of come in and do a job for me um well, i think that he would be a player that i would be seriously looking at i come back to it again he's 5.2 so he's a player who is producing the data He's not very good. So, how much <laughs> is he producing what? the data at 5.2? Yeah. 5.2 Lucy. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't hear that. <sighs> Any other picks for you guys? Any other kind of randomers that you'd be throwing in there? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, I'm guessing Anthony would be top of the list for you.
1: Oh yeah, I love Kev. No, it's actually the uh, 5.2 Al- <laughs> Anwar El Ghazi that I'd certainly picked out as well as a good differential pick there to be perfectly honest with you. it's it's, it's really is a dregs. I, I think really, uh, you guys have distilled it quite well. It's, it's the triple up on Liverpool. It's probably the triple up on Manchester United as well. For United, I kind of feel like it's finishing off, finishing second basically. For Liverpool, the dream of qualifying for the Champions League certainly isn't dead yet. Um, I suspect winning against United in the reschedule game in Gaming 36, will probably decide it for them um, one way or another, or maybe give them something in those final weeks, but for now anyway, I feel like six players from those two teams it can't possibly go wrong <laughs> for people again like it did uh, in this game week. Um, Otherwise, that really, it's, it's such a smattering so I, I'd only be repeating the likes of players that you guys picked out. Uh, I do actually like the Seamus Coleman pick, and Tom, you, you, ba- you banter-joked a few weeks back on the pod that I might suggest Seamus Coleman as a pick, and I'm actually doing it now because you know it's, it's a good stuff that he produces there even though everton are not good and frustrating and unpredictable and everything that goes with it
0: with coleman do we have any concern about his minutes because that's the thing i look at we have
1: we have concern about any player who plays through the republic of ireland's minutes uh this is just how it is we are always concerned lucy but we're particularly concerned about captain James coleman captain fantastic himself yeah no there is a concern there for sure he um he seems to have more nailed that spot uh, as this season has developed, but certainly earlier in the year, he was really, really, really dicey and at risk at pretty much all times when he was actually playing.
2: So, do was, you pick him? Who was playing there, Anthony? Was it, it was Ben Godfrey, wasn't it, who was doing the job there? Who's the alternative? Is it is it Ben Godfrey or Iwobi in two. a 3 mm-hmm. 5 2? He, the, no, it wasn't in
1: Kuka. He hasn't he barely played at all. No, it was the Ben Godfrey and it was just kind of the formation. Change, John Joe's out had. in Germany somewhere. Did
0: Holgate ever go right back? Um, yeah. Holgate. They they did literally
1: everything um yeah. to keep him and sorry, then sorry,
0: Godfrey and, ended up being used for everything, didn't he? Really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> he did, but Ancelotti eventually uh, saw the light and has started to give Seamus consistent minutes. Look, it would be I think for me that's much more a heart overhead pick if I was to choose him. Uh, I'd like, you know, Michael Keane's always getting up there for headers as well. And I, I kind of feel like I want to own him for a headed goal at some point this season. So it'd be great to have that uh moment of triumph with him, but I don't necessarily think I'm actually gonna do it because for me anyway, I can't afford to bring in Coleman with the minutes problem because as we've just heard, like I had eight players not play this game week. I have to be like sure that my players are 90 minute men going forward so wouldn't be a pick for me uh, El Ghazi kind of fits that particular mould as well and I don't think yeah, I have a uh, uh,
2: El Ghazi wagon join, uh, No, 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 no. I'm wagon. saying I'm not joining the wagon because I just don't have, the tra- it, I don't
1: have the transfer I'm like Nick, need to get Salah into my side so I just don't have that midfield um, transfer space and I need to fix my smouldering defensive <laughs> ruins with Holgate and Rudiger and a just a giant oh Diaz as well, just a giant load of disappointment there
2: I think maybe one way of looking at it is what Lisa said earlier on about the 36. Um, so as you know, uh, Everton, obviously, you know, Coleman's been written off heavily by Irishman Anthony O'Shea in, in a- access edition. Um, but he does have Sheffield's nice at home in game week 36. So he, maybe mm-hmm. he'd be a player that you would be kind of pointing out and thinking, Oh, actually, you know, he's potentially got a double And you know, a Knicks man, Holgate as well. Also fits in the, the role there. Um And, I guess the second highest uh, one on the ticker is Southampton. They got Fulham in 36 and a home game against Leeds in 37. So could KWP be one of those kind of cheap inputs that may be doing a job
0: for people there, Lucy? I'd actually be more interested if Vestergaard's red card gets overturned. Now, I don't know if it will, and I don't want to insert my own biases here, but I was a little perplexed by the red card. Um, And if that was to be overturned, then I think he becomes very interesting because he is a key beneficiary of JWP's um, set pieces. So he would be more interesting to me. KWP... he always looks like he's going to do more than he does. And actually he reserved basically all of his like good attacking performances for the FA cups. So that was really useful for FBL players. Um, so I probably wouldn't bother. And I'd probably look in Everton's direction if you're looking at that kind of thing. But yeah, Vestergaard would be the one that I would be hoping for. Fingers crossed.
1: Actually, a bit of a diversion from FPL for a second, Lucy, but when Vestergaard gets sent off so early in a game against Leicester, how did you feel? Like, was it just sheer terror? <laughs>
0: Well, see, I was on Playmaker um, and literally everyone was like, ah, it's happening again. Ah." (laughs) People were like, Vardy's going to get a hat trick. Oh, this is brilliant. I love this. And I actually had to like message out, I know you think this is funny, but it's just not. Like, I was just sat there like, they're doing it all over again. What are they doing? Um, And then they came up with this gritty, like, 10-man performance banked behind the ball. And I was honestly shocked because we never do that um and actually it was really good because i then got to go back on and be like ha, 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 ha. there's no there's no hat trick so screw you all um well i was a bit more subtle than that i just enjoyed it anyway
1: Fair enough. one, one day you were happy there was a social media blackout
0: <laughs> yeah i i would have definitely turned my phone off
1: <laughs> shall we shall we move on then to transfers
3: and captains um, and yeah I'll happily start so as I said earlier the, the glaring gap in my team is, is most Salah just the threat of that double game week Southampton West Brom I can't go without this guy he's probably going to be the captain as well obviously at this moment we don't know what's happening with the fixtures we're waiting for the news hopefully we get something during the week that confirms it but I think certainly for me it's going to have to be Salah um, who comes in and, and gets that armband as well for that week he, he's, he's there's no real other standout pick to be honest, um, so he's going to get the armband and t- to get him in, it's going to have to be a hit as well. Unfortunately, so Son will have to be the full guy, which is a bit of a risk because I actually think he could easily haul against Leeds. Could be one of those weeks as we said earlier about the sort of the traps. Um, where the single game week player might actually end up outscoring the double game week because we've um, seen in the past so a little bit of risk sending someone in a hit. So in um Chelsea's double was always a bit ugly anyway. So I'm not overly upset about that. And he's been a bit out of the team, but it's going to be someone, maybe Stuart Armstrong that, that comes in um, as that sort of fourth midfielder or fifth midfielder for that particular week. So, yeah, that, that's my plan. Um, what about yourself, Lucy?
0: Yeah, so the the kind of fixture change has thrown me a little. I was pretty set on just doing Gundogan to house and then maybe another transfer, but I'm, I'm quite tight at the back in that I've got uh, Trent and then a lot of kind of 5 million, sub-5 million defenders. So it's a little bit awkward. Um, I would quite like Luke Shaw, so there may be the potential that I downgrade a midfielder and, and get Luke Shaw in. It's all a bit... A bit uncomfortable at the moment to be quite honest um but I do have two, two free transfers so I'm, I'm sure I kind of work something out but at the moment I've I've been a bit thrown by those transfer uh, by those fixtures so yeah I'm not quite sure at the moment um but I do think someone yeah like Luke Shaw is probably the kind of direction I'm going to go in and that will probably mean I need to probably downgrade Son um I'd ideally like to do something Gundogan though so it's it's a little bit confusing
1: I think I'm going to take a minus eight, and I've barely taken hits this season. So to take a minus eight now is a bit of a risk. But I want to chase down those 39 points to the top 10k, and I'm I'm not going to do it by resting on my laurels at this point. So how am I going to do this? Basically, I don't want to sell Son, um, which means that I need to sell Lingard and finance a move to Salah that way. Which is a bit unfortunate. Now I did have four point something in the bank, which is a help and I bought Lingard quite early, which is also a help, which means that if I get Salah, I need to find two million in my team. Part of that can be found by selling DS, which is great. He's 5.9 as my sell price. Unfortunately, he was more to sell a few weeks ago, but he has dropped since another unfortunate uh, part of the whole wood Farago that I've had. But I could sell Diaz and sell an other defender, probably Rudiger, who's injured and I just couldn't be bothered dealing with it and Chelsea's fixtures are bad anyway. So I basically end up with two bad defenders coming in, somehow holding stays in my team. But then I end up having the ultimate five midfielders that Rishi would, from the correspondence section would be so proud of, of Salah Fernandez, Greenwood, Son and Jota for the double game week, uh, as well as having Hinacho uh, and Kane up front and Alexander-Arnold and Shaw. So it's, it's really kind of just gambling hard on that uh, game week and then really not enjoying Man United playing Liverpool and inevitably having a nil-all draw in the game week that follows. It's a bit of a risk for sure, but that's what I want to do. Uh, who will be the captain for this game week? I'm a little bit between two minds on that. Uh, because if I brought Salah in, I think it would be him. Um, but at the same time, I still have to weigh up the kind of the madness of this particular move. It would probably just be default off to Bruno if I didn't get Salah in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably going to be the uh, the cost me for many people this week. For me, I'm going to use that lovely two free transfers which I have gained uh, for a lot of pain. Um not too sure it was worth doing, but there we go. Um Jotta was nailed on to be sold this week, absolutely nailed on, um until it was looking like that lovely until that lovely double game week kind of perhaps has come onto the horizon which means my execution's axe has been stayed stayed instead i'm thinking increasingly as i've intimated earlier on it's time to sunset dear old jaylings it's all over him he's back from being um, a player who's expressing his potential to a player with potential in fact i have Exact funds for Lingard and Rudiger, um, who we have all noticed is a bit annoying and um, has bad fixtures. And yeah, I think um, he's very unlikely he's going to play both the games. Um, those two out, and I can replace him, replace them uh, with Lucadine and El Ghazi. Um, so that'll give me two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, that'll give me uh, basically 10 double game because which would be really, really nice. Um, and I probably won't be captioning Bruno or Salah. There's no point in me doing so. So I'll probably be captioning Trent if they get level game week or Luca Dean if uh, Trent doesn't. Uh, but it looks like Liverpool will. Um, so I'm, I've got no problems with captioning Trent, as has been shown in the past. So I've got no problem doing that again. Right. I think that's probably your lot, isn't it, Nick? Yep, that's a wrap. So we were Who Got The Assist. Uh,
3: Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And we're also joined by Lucy Hynett. Um, You can find her on Twitter at Lucy Hynett. And thanks so much for
1: joining, Lucy. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for having me on. Uh, If only just to brag about my rank.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Lucy. It's great to have you on. We will be back next Thursday for a... Is that correct, Tom? Sorry, I didn't check. Yeah, Yeah, it it is. is Next Thursday. Great, okay. Yeah, thanks so much, Lucy, for coming on. It was great to have you. We will be back next Thursday for a quick turnaround. And if you want to get correspondence in, we're actually short on correspondence at the moment, so it would be greatly appreciated. It's assist at gmail.com.
2: Yep, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on, Lucy. We hope you assisted you. Have a good week and enjoy the double game week. We'll be back for a 24-hour shelf life pub, which we will enjoy very, very much next Thursday. Good night and goodbye. Good night.
0: Bye. Bye.